If you have your Bibles with you, please open it with me in the book of Ephesians. Our theme for this current series is about new humanity, new life, new guideline, and new relationships. Title of our message today is Put Off and Put On, and we'll be looking at chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. In the Greek text, this section is composed of two sentences. Verses 17 to 19 is one long sentence, and verses 20 to 24 is another long sentence. Let's read our passage, Ephesians 4, 17-24. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, and that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is the likest of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Last week, we learned that God desires that we do not stay as spiritual infants. Instead, God wants that each of us would grow up to become mature. Ephesians 4.13 Become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, if we say that we are followers of Christ, but then we remain spiritual infants in our thoughts, emotions, and actions, even after years of being a Christian, then that's not good. Why? Because God desires is for His people to grow towards spiritual maturity. And as God's people, we are the new humanity that God is forming, and He desires that we become more and more like Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now here is the question. How do we become the new humanity that God intends us to be? How do we grow spiritually and experience lasting biblical change? This is what we will be learning from our passage today. In the past, I've seen many people, both young and old, make decisions to follow the Lord Jesus, especially during camps or evangelistic events. And it's exciting to see people to make that initial step to follow our Lord. But deciding to follow Jesus is only the starting point of many steps along the path of one's spiritual journey. So you see, to follow Christ means to walk daily with Him. Now before we continue, let's review again what we have learned in the study of Ephesians. Remember, the first three chapters of Ephesians tells us that the Christian received a blessing, or it talks about the Christian's wealth, who we are, and what we have in Christ. Then chapters 4 to 6 tells us about the Christian's walk. What do we do with who we are and what we have in Christ? As we learned last time, walk refers to one's habitual conduct, behavior, lifestyle, or way of life. And here in our text, Paul repeated this word, walk. Ephesians 4, 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk. This appeal is a contrast to what Paul urges the Ephesians to do in the opening of chapter 4. See chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So combining these verses, here is what Paul is saying. Walk in a manner worthy 
of your calling by not walking as the Gentiles walk. Now, is Paul looking down on the Gentiles when he said this statement? Of course not. And verse 17 is not the rejection of Gentiles as persons or ethnic groups. Paul is not discussing about the human worth, the ability, or the accomplishments of the, of the Gentile race. After all, his original audience in Ephesus was mostly Gentiles or non-Jewish people. And Paul himself declares that he is an apostle to the Gentiles. So what did Paul mean when he says, walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk? Paul's statement here is a rejection of the Gentiles' lifestyle. He is rejecting their ungodly lifestyle. Specifically, the Gentiles here are those who do not acknowledge God in their lives, and we could call them as unbelievers and the ungodly. Again, Paul is rejecting their lifestyle, the unbelievers and the ungodly, and Paul is calling the Ephesians to do the same. So here is what Paul tells the Ephesian believers and to us today. Here's our main lesson. Walk differently. Have a distinct way of life from the unbelievers and don't copy their ungodly lifestyle. Instead, walk and become the new person Christ called you to be by being renewed in your mind, putting off your old self, and putting on your new self. Let's read that again. Walk differently. Have a distinct way of life from the unbelievers and don't copy their ungodly lifestyle. Instead, walk and become the new person Christ called you to be by being renewed in your mind, putting off your old self, and putting on your new self. Now the question is, how do the Gentiles walk? What's their lifestyle? Verse 17 to 19 tells us they are characterized by these things. The first, they have the futility of mind. Futility of mind. It doesn't mean that unbelieving Gentiles are not capable of great intellectual achievements. Many unbelievers excel in the sciences, the arts, medicine, and businesses, and other fields of knowledge, and some excel more compared to Christians. Now, Paul would never call Plato or Aristotle as intelligent or dumb. These Gentiles were brilliant men. However, their beliefs and philosophies were futile. They were worthless, empty, and vain. Why? Because their knowledge has no lasting or eternal value. Paul is saying that Gentiles set their minds on futile things. In scripture, futility is often associated with idolatry. Look at Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, What injustice did your fathers find in me, that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and worthless idols and become empty? So you see, futile thinking leads to the vain pursuit of all kinds of idolatry, such as the pursuit of happiness, money, sexual pleasure. Next, the unbelievers were darkened in their understanding. Darkened in understanding. Paul also said that the Gentiles are darkened in understanding, meaning they are darkened in their spiritual and moral understanding. Bible scholar J.B. Phillips translates this verse in this way. They live blindfold in a world of illusion. They were blindfolded in a world of illusion. Gentiles live as if they were blindfolded. Think about it. Isn't it ironic that those who reject God and His Word consider themselves enlightened? But if Paul were alive today, he'd probably say to them, You're not enlightened. On the contrary, your understanding is blind. Why? Because sin has affected even our minds and our thinking. As Paul tells us in Romans and Corinthians, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they become futile in their speculations 
and their foolish hearts were darkened. But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand it, because they are spiritually appraised. Next, Paul describes Gentiles as being excluded or alienated from the life of God. Gentile unbelievers are spiritually separated from God, since they live apart from God, who is the true source of life, the ungodly don't have God in their lives, and they are spiritually dead. That is also according to what the Apostle John said. He who has the Son has the life. He, do not, he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. And why were the gentle unbelievers and the ungodly separated from the life of God? The end of verse 18 tells us, Because of the ignorance that is in them and because the hardness of their heart. First, it's because of their ignorance. The word ignorance here is the Greek term agnoia, where we get the term agnostic. Agnoia carries the idea of willful blindness or deliberate rejection of the truth. As the psalmist tells us, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. Simply put, the ungodly and unbelievers willfully close their minds to God. Also, Satan greatly contributes to this blindness, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And the second thing, why the gentle unbelievers and ungodly are separated from God, it is because of the hardness of their hearts. You see, separation from the life of God is ultimately a heart problem. Ungodly people choose to harden their hearts towards God. As you can see, the mind and the heart are closely connected. Actually, in the Bible, the mind is synonymous with the heart. The word heart is commonly used in the Old Testament, while both the mind and the heart are used in the New Testament. Both the heart and the mind are one and the same. And what is the function of the heart or mind? Our mind and heart is the center of our inner person. That is the source of our thoughts, emotions, and will. The thoughts or cognition involves our ability to understand, to reason, and discern. It also includes our beliefs and opinions. Our emotions, our affection, it involves our longings, our deep desires, and hopes. As for our will, it is the part of our inner person that chooses what actions we take based on our thoughts and emotions. And here's the point. The unbelievers and the ungodly have separated themselves because of their willful ignorance and their hardness of hearts. Ultimately, this rejection of God boils down to the idol of self-worship. Let me explain. The ungodly deny God that He exists or that He matters, and they think they are not accountable to Him. And since they are not accountable to God and His authority in their lives, the unbelievers feel that they are free to choose whatever they please. In the end, the ungodly bow down to no one but only to their own self. That is the idolatry of self-worship. You reject God and remove Him from the throne of your life, and then you replace Him with your self-rule. Dear friends, reflect on your life. Who is it that you truly follow? Is it God or is it yourself? Do you live by God's standard or do you live according to your own rules? And when we follow our self to rule, it will lead us to the next characteristic that Paul describes, the Gentile unbelievers have become callous. 
In the Greek, it literally means to lose the capacity to feel shame or embarrassment. In Tagalog, we say garapal o kaya puro kalyo na ang puso. You see, the unbelieving Gentiles are now numb, morally insensitive, and spiritually numb. Have you ever wondered why some persons can do something wrong and yet they don't feel any remorse after they have sinned? It's because they have become spiritually callous over time. Now, can Christians also become callous to sin? Of course. For example, suppose you sin by lying to your parents. After doing that, you would feel guilty and ashamed because of your conscience and the Holy Spirit convicts you. But if you ignore your conscience and keep on sinning, what happens next? Telling lies gets easier and easier until you find yourself telling bigger lies next time without any remorse, guilt, or shame. By that time, you become spiritually callous. So friends, be careful not to take any sin lightly because it will harden your hearts and it would make you spiritually numb or morally insensitive. Now look at what happens once you become callous. Ephesians 4.19 And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. You see, the callousness of your heart will result in a life given over to all kinds of sin. And Paul mentions three sins here. Sensuality, impurity, and greed. The Greek word for sensuality means licentiousness or the lack of moral restraint or uncontrolled lust. Paul is saying to the Ephesians, don't walk like the Gentiles who think they have a license to sin and indulge in sinful behaviors. Also, Paul tells us that the Gentile unbelievers lived impure lives. Impurity here refers to all kinds of sexual sins and perversion. It includes having sexual relations outside marriage with individuals or groups. It's committing indecent acts with persons of the same gender. It's also molesting children and even having sex with animals. That's impurity. The third sin is greed. The word greed means covetousness or the desire to have more and more and more. The gentle unbelievers are never satisfied nor contented, and they want to have more money, more power, more pleasure for themselves. These three sins are not the only sins that characterizes the gentle unbelievers and the ungodly, but these are the primary examples. Sensuality, impurity, and greed. And Paul connects this three to the sin of idolatry. Listen to what he said in Colossians 3. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And later in this letter, Paul gives this warning in Ephesians 5, 5. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Friends, examine your life. Are you still walking as the gentle unbelievers and the ungodly? Is there sexual immorality or greed in your life? If that is so, then no longer walk as the ungodly, but walk differently. Now back to our question. How do we walk differently and become the new persons God called us to be? How do we grow in Christ-likeness? Paul tells us how by doing these three things. First, we need to put off our old self. Second, we need to be renewed in our minds. And third, we need to put on our new self. Let's take a look at each of these. The first, put off your old self. Put off your old self. Ephesians 4.20 But 
But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Your old self refers to the old you before you met Jesus. It's your former way of life. All those futile thoughts, sinful patterns and behaviors, and even our deceitful desires, that's our old self. And Paul describes our old self as being corrupt. So to walk differently and to grow into becoming the new humanity that God calls us to be, we need to put off our old self. It's like taking off our old and filthy clothes and removing our dirty garments. Later, I will show you some specific examples of how to put off your old self. Second, we need to be renewed in our minds. Ephesians 4, 20-23 And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The phrase to be renewed means to be changed, renovated, or transformed. Notice the contrast here. Paul said we need to be renewed in our minds. Why? It is because our old self was characterized by the futility of mind, darkened in understanding, ignorance, and hardness of heart. And now renewing our minds is possible because we already have Christ. As chapter 4 verse 20 tells us, we've already heard Christ and are taught in him. As mentioned earlier, the mind is synonymous with the heart. It's the center of our thoughts, emotions, desires, and will. In the Greek, the verb to be renewed is in the passive voice, meaning it is not us who can renew our minds. And we find the same idea in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The phrase, be transformed, is also in the passive voice. You see, for our minds to be renewed, for us to be transformed, it is something that we receive from God as He works in us. Now, why do our minds and hearts need to be renewed? As we've learned earlier, our minds are futile, darkened, and willfully ignorant of the things of God. Also, we live in a culture that aggressively molds our thoughts, emotions, choices, and behavior according to the patterns of this world. Simply put, we need to change our hearts and minds and for it to be renewed because what we believe impacts how we feel what we choose, and how we behave. And what's the primary tool that God uses to renew our minds? It is His Word. As Jesus prayed to God the Father, John 17, 17, Sanctify them in your truth. Your Word is truth. You see, God has already done His part. He has given us His written Word. Now it's time for us to do our part. Let us read God's Word and saturate our minds with it. But doing this is not easy. Why? Because reading and studying God's Word requires time, effort, and focus. And adding to it is the spiritual battle that happens behind the scenes. Think about it. Most of you would agree that it's easier and more enjoyable for us to surf the internet, watch Netflix, or play online games rather than reading our Bibles. Wouldn't you agree? But there is no shortcut to growing spiritually. To grow and to be strong and to be healthy physically, we need to eat healthy and exercise regularly. Because if we don't, we'll be malnourished and weak. And the same is true also in our spiritual life. If we don't eat and drink from God's word regularly, we will be spiritually malnourished. And if we don't constantly train for godliness, we will be spiritually weak. As the Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul tells us in Matthew 4, in 1 Timothy 4, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
For physical training is of some value, but training for godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Friends, here's the question for all of us. How much time and effort do we devote to renewing our minds with God's Word? I know many of you are busy with many things, and the easiest thing to give up and to sacrifice is our Bible reading and prayer with the Lord. Some of you, if you're not busy with your work or studies, you're distracted by many stuff in social media. I'm not saying that you completely stop these things. What I'm saying is that it's a matter of priorities. You see, you will always find time for the things that are important to you. Again, you will always find time for the things that you value. So if you want to grow spiritually, we need to go back to basics. There is no shortcut to renewing our minds, even as we depend on God for, uh, for Him to transform us, we need to exert effort and be intentional. How? We need to read God's Word, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, and apply it in our lives. Your brothers and sisters, let us make a commitment together to read God's Word. By January next year, Lord willing, we'll be launching a church-wide Bible reading campaign entitled Project Ezra. CBCP is a Bible-rooted church, and we want all of us to be like Ezra the priest. As the Bible tells us, Ezra had determined to study and to obey the law of the Lord and teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. As a church, may we be a people who study God's word, obey it, and share it with others. We will give you more details about this project soon, and it is my prayer that all of us will actively join this Bible reading campaign. So may God bless us. Third, how do we walk differently and become new persons God called us to be? Put on your new self. Put on your new self. Ephesians 4, 24. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. It is not enough to put off our old self because you won't experience lasting biblical change by only removing certain sins from your life. You need to replace your old self. As you take off your old and dirty clothes, you also need to put on new garments. The idea here is to change into something different, a different kind of conduct, a different kind of attitude, a different kind of life. Not only you must stop living in sin, but you need to start walking righteously. And that is what we mean by putting on. Not just to stop living in sin, but start walking and living in righteousness and holiness. Think about it. When does a thief stop being a thief? When he stops stealing? Not yet. A thief who is not stealing is just a thief in between jobs. But a thief who stops being a thief genuinely is when he no longer steals, but he starts working with his own hands for his needs. So friends, let us remember our lesson today. Walk differently. Have a distinct way of life from the unbelievers and don't copy their ungodly lifestyle. Instead, walk and become a new person Christ called you to be by being renewed in your mind, putting off your old self, and putting on your new self. At this point, let me show you some examples of how to apply this principle of putting off the old self, renewing your mind, and putting on your new self. So listen carefully, and I hope that you would learn from these examples. Let's turn to the application. Example number one. Suppose you struggle with sexual immorality and impurity. 
the first step is how do you put off your old self? Of course, you need to die to yourself and your selfish desire. If you're addicted to pornography, stop visiting certain websites and cut off your subscriptions. Don't use your computer in your bedroom. Instead, place it on the living room where it's more public. As Romans 13, 14 tells us, make no provision for the flesh. Also, pray to God and ask the Lord for forgiveness. That's putting off your old self. Step number two, be renewed in your mind. How will you do that? Be renewed in your mind by reading God's word and memorize specific passages that deal with sexual immorality. It would help if you write this down in index cards and review them at least three times a day. And here are some examples of Bible verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 18 to 20. Flee from sexual immorality and all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, and you are not your own? You are brought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Another verse is in Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed be kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. So do you get the idea of this second step? You need to saturate your minds with the things about God, and you need to fight Satan's lies with the truth of God's word. As the Bible tells us, God's word is the sword of the Spirit. Now the third step, put on your new self. After putting off your old self, after as you renew your mind, you need to also put on your new self. How? Rely on the power of the Spirit, first and foremost, and live out the fruit in, in your life. Rely on His power and live out the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness and self-control, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Also, guard your hearts and eyes and be careful with what kind of movies or shows that you're watching. Like Job, let's do this covenant. I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Another thing that we can do, we pursue faithfulness to your spouse. Be faithful to your spouse. Also, very important, seek help from a pastor or a counselor and find an accountability group. You see, growing in Christ is best done in a group of people, in a community, in a family of believers, and not just on your own. So this is the first example. Now let's look at another one. Suppose you are struggling with greed and covetousness. How can you grow in Christ-likeness? The first step, put off your old self. How do you do that? Here are some suggestions. Detox yourself from Facebook, Instagram, Shopee, and Lazada. Why? Because most of the time, you trigger the spirit of envy and discontentment in you when you saturate your mind and heart with the things that you don't have or with the beautiful things that other people have. So I suggest you take a break from social media and online shopping. Not only would it benefit you financially and spiritually, but it would also make your spouse happy. Also, reflect on why you want to have more. Why do you want to have more things? Is it just to feel more secure? just to feel more significant or to feel more successful? Reflect on these things. Are you relying on these things to give you a sense of purpose or identity? If that is the case, then that is not 
honoring and pleasing to God and you are living in sin. And so then, therefore, confess to God and ask for forgiveness. The second step is to be renewed in your mind. How will you do that? Again, read God's word and memorize certain passages on greed and covetousness. To help you look for these verses, I suggest you use a search engine and type in the Bible verses about greed or Bible verses about covetousness, and it will help you look for those verses or look for it in a Bible concordance. Again, it would also help if you write this down in index cards and review them more than once a day. Here are some Bible verses that you can consider. Luke 12, 15. Then Jesus said to them, Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Also, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 11. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into the temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with grief. This is not saying that money is evil in everything. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And there's a Christian, there's a biblical way of how to use money for the honor and glory of God. And I pray, and Lord willing, we can have that uh, discussion and, and study next time by next year. Again, the idea here is to fill your mind with the truth of God's word and learn to think biblically. As Paul tells us in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So after you put off your old self and as you renew your mind, the third step is to put on your new self. How? Practice contentment. To battle greed, practice contentment. Philippians 4, 11 to 13. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me the strength. Aside from contentment, also practice generosity. Proverbs 11.25 A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And 2 Corinthians 9.7 Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Before we end, let me give you this assignment. This week, I encourage you to reflect and answer these five questions. It would help if you do this first individually and then share it with your spouse or with your accountability group. Reflect on these questions. First, what are the sins that I struggle with? Identify one character issue that you want to deal with. Is it worry, hunger, impatience, irritability? Is it lying or lust? Is it pleasing others or fear of people? Is it perfectionism? Is it love of comfort and pleasure? Is it laziness or workaholism? Identify one character issue that you want to deal with. 
Second, how do I put off my old self? What old attitudes and character should I change? What should I stop doing? The third, this part is the renewing of our minds. What does God's word say about the sins I struggle with? What are the biblical truths that I should believe? I encourage you to write this down in your journal or index cards. Read it, review it, and memorize it, and saturate your mind with the word of God. The fourth, how can I put on my new self? What Christ-like attitudes and character should I live out? What should I start doing? The fourth, and which is also important, who can I ask for help, support, and encouragement in this journey? These are the five questions that I encourage you to reflect. Again, being the new humanity that God calls us to be, it's not enough for us to know these things. We have to do our part to learn and apply this in our lives. And as you answer these questions and apply these principles, do your best to exert effort. But ultimately, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit for strength, guidance, and wisdom. So brothers and sisters, let us remember our lesson for today. Walk differently. Have a distinct way of life from the unbelievers and don't copy their ungodly lifestyle. Instead, walk and become the new person Christ called you to be by being renewed in your mind, putting off your old self, and putting on your new self. For God's glory and for our good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word, for reminding us, Lord, that you have called us and that you have taken us out from darkness into your kingdom of your marvelous life. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for redeeming us by your blood, for sacrificing your life for us so that we can be with you, so that we can reflect your image and that um, thank you Lord for forgiving us the Holy Spirit that is now dwelling in us and giving us the power to trust and obey you. Enable us, O God, as we've learned this principle of um, putting off our old self. Help us, Lord God, to really battle with our sin because there's so much temptation, Lord God, around us and it's so easy, it's so pleasurable to, to live in sin, to indulge in things that we feel would give us satisfaction, but these are not eternal things, O oh God. Forgive us, Lord. Enable us to recommit our lives to you. Help us to pursue you wholeheartedly. May our hearts and minds be fully devoted to you alone. Enable us, O oh God, to be renewed in our minds as we read your word. Speak to us, O oh God. Help us to, to learn from you. Help us to put on Christ, to put on the mind of Christ, to hear from your word, and as we read, uh, your word of God enabled us to, to know who you are, reveal yourself, your character, so that uh, we, can, uh, we, can, we will be inspired, that we will be able to, to follow you, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you enable us also to put on our new self as we, uh, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, as we relate with our spouse, with our wife, with our husband, with our children, with our parents, as we relate with our co-workers, as we relate with the people around us, as we do missions, in anything, in everything that we do. May we reflect your goodness, may we reflect your godliness, your righteousness, your holiness, and enable us to be salt and light in the places that you have called us to be. 
Father, we pray for our country continue to help our leaders as we battle through this pandemic. Enable us, oh God, to move forward, to live by faith, to walk by faith and not by sight, and not to live in fear. For those of us who are worried, help us, oh God, not to worry, not to be fearful, not to be anxious, but trust in your provision, trust in your guidance, trust in your plans and purpose in our lives. And I pray for those of us who are sick, who are physically struggling, oh God, I pray that you grant us healing. Enable us, oh God, to taste and see the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make our bodies whole. Enable us, oh God, to have joy, that, that sense of wholeness, Lord God, in our lives. In the midst of our weakness, oh God, may you be our strength. Give us the joy to endure. Give us the, the effort, the, the strength, oh God, the wisdom and the courage to, to hold on to you. To, to run the race with endurance and be faithful to the end. Father, O oh God, for those of us who are seeking for your wisdom, for your guidance, as we make certain decisions, guide us each step of the way. Whenever we are afraid, grant us courage. Give us clarity, Lord God, in the midst of our confusion. And help us to follow you. Help us to do everything for the honor and glory of your name. Thank you so much once more for this day. Thank you for your word. Grant us your spirit, grant us your strength. Enable us, O oh God, to follow you wholeheartedly. May we love you with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. As we love you, as we love others, O oh God, may you alone be glorified in our lives. Thank you, Lord. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.